Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money, how to save money, and how to travel around the world. And on today's episode, uh, we actually have a very special guest who uh, you might know her brother. Her, her brother is uh, famous in the podcasting world, uh, Travis Sherry um, from Extra Pack of Peanuts, so EPOP. And we're going to have uh, Travis on the show eventually. Uh, he's a busy guy, so one of these days we'll get him on. But today we have uh, Gail Sherry. Uh, she's actually uh, made a name for herself over there in Spain. Uh, she is the manager of Pilgrim's House uh, at, right at the end of uh, Camino de Santiago. Uh, the Santiago de Compostela at the end of the Camino Pilgrim Trail in Spain. So we're going to be finding out all about the Camino uh, for those of you who are interested in visiting there, uh, hiking there, and uh, learning more. So uh, Gail, uh, let's get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Gail Sherry, and yes, Travis is my twin brother. Um, I am very used to people knowing him and not me, which is fine. Uh, it happens and he's a great guy. So, you know, um, I've actually had a few people come into Pilgrim house and be like, are you extra pack of peanuts, sister? And I'm like, I'm in Spain. How is this happening? But it does. <laughs> um, I've lived in Spain for five years now, um, in Santiago de Compostela. And, um, yeah, I, I love it here. It's a corner of Spain I never would have uh, knew about if it hadn't been for the project that I helped start um, or was a part of starting and um, the Camino. Um, so <laughs> it's not your typical tourist destination in Spain with beaches and sun all the time. It's very much rainy and cold and in the middle of nowhere, but it's beautiful and yeah, <laughs> I love it. So why, why don't we find out a little bit about the origin story? Uh, how did you first find out about the Camino? Was it through a movie or a book or a TV show? And then uh, what made you go over there? Yeah, so I first heard of the Camino um, through the organization that I work for called International Teams. It's a nonprofit organization. And I originally interned for them for three months in New Zealand, working with the refugees. Um, and then I wanted to do something uh, full-time and long-term. And so... Uh, when I went to training, I didn't have a team. Um, originally, I was maybe going to go to Greece, but it fell through. So I was without a team, and there were there was a couple uh, there that they were coming over here to join our team leaders and help them get this project up off the ground. And so that's where I first heard about it. I didn't know anything about the Camino. I had never thought about living in Spain. I was horrible at Spanish in high school, like really bad. Um, so. It definitely wasn't where I saw my life going, but at the end of the five weeks of training, I had tickets to come to Spain and walk some of the Camino and to meet the team here. And a year later, I had the funds to come over and move here. So That is definitely very amazing. So uh, we're going to be finding out more about uh, what you're doing over there. But I think it will be good to give us, a, give our readers, uh, give our listeners and our viewers a quick overview. Uh, most of us know the Camino, but some of us might not have heard of it or might not know much about it. So why don't you give us a quick one-on-one overview of the Camino de Santiago? Yeah, so the Camino de Santiago is a medieval pilgrimage trail. Uh, it's traditionally a Catholic trail, but nowadays uh, people from all walks of life and from all different countries walk it. Um, it's still predominantly a religious or spiritual journey that people go on. Um, it's the traditional route or the main, the most common route is called the Camino Frances. And that starts 
Um, it comes through France and over the Pyrenees into Spain and crosses northern Spain all the way to Santiago de Compostela, which for people who don't know is in the region of Galicia, which is the little panhandle above Portugal of Spain. So it's a little foreign corner of uh, Europe. <laughs> um, and it usually, if most people start in a town called saint jean Port, which is on the French side of the Pyrenees. And it traditionally takes about four weeks, four to six weeks, depending on how far and fast you walk. And it's about 500 miles, 800 kilometers. Um, but we've met people that have walked from uh, Holland, Germany, Poland. So in Europe, traditionally you could leave your house uh, because it was medieval times, so you just left your door and you walked. So there are routes all over Europe that connect to this route. Um, there's also routes coming up from Sevilla, through Portugal, down from the north. Um, so there's a ton of different Camino routes that are starting to get more popular as the Francais is starting to get kind of overcrowded. So people are starting to branch out to some of the other routes and walk them as well. So uh, what about yourself? Uh, you mentioned you've lived there for several years now. Uh, which of the routes have you walked so far? I have only walked um, a part of one route. <laughs> um, I am not a traditional hiker, backpacker, uh, long distance walker. I like nature, but I like to be able to sit and enjoy it. Um, and I like the Camino community. So for me, it's much more about like the people I get to meet, not walking a far distance that day. So I've walked a part of a route called the San Embrace which is um, the Via de la Plata is a route that comes up from Sevilla and it's called the Silver Way. And you can either meet up with the Camino Frances or never meet up with it. There's an offshoot that takes you to Santiago kind of like through the back door. Um, and I did part of that route. Um, there was a girl that was on this team and she was going to walk that and I didn't want to walk by myself. Though a lot of women walk it by themselves. Now that I know more about it, I would feel completely confident walking by myself. Um, so we meet tons of solo travelers. Um, so I decided to walk the part that she was going to walk, and we did it together. And so it's not a tr it's one of the lesser known routes, and it's not as uh, populated. Um, whereas, like, if you walk on the Camino Frances, you're going to meet a lot more people and have a lot more cafes to stop at and places to stay and different things. There's a lot more luxury, but if you want more solitude and farther distances to walk, some of the lesser known routes are a better way to go. So tell us about the rough um, uh, time frame. I'm, what's the minimum you need uh, to walk uh, the, the trails and also the maximum? You, you mentioned all the way from, you could do it from pretty much any parts of Europe all the way into Spain. Uh, but tell us about uh, kind of the, the, the least amount of time, the most amount of time, and kind of the average. What do most people walk? Yeah, so there's a whole varying degree. Um, the to get a compostela which is the certificate that is given out by the cathedral and it's a religious document um that's given out if you walk for religious reasons the minimum distance is 100 kilometers that you have to walk and so usually on each of the routes there's a city that people will start that they know that is the like that is the starting point for the minimum amount so on the camino francais there's a town called saria that um that people start in. So a lot of people, especially a lot of Americans, will start there because we don't get as much vacation time as the Europeans. Um, so if you only have a week vacation, that will take you about four to five days depending on how far you walk. Some people have done it in three. I knew a guy that was trying to do it in one 24-hour thing. I don't know if he actually made it, but he almost did. So that was pretty impressive. Um, 
a lot of people, like I said, the a lot of people who do the whole thing, which again, it's not the whole thing because you can leave from anywhere. Um, it's about four to six weeks. And then some people will do two weeks or three weeks. There's a route, the Portuguese route um, is, an, is the second most popular route. And it comes up, you can start in Lisbon, but most people start in Porto. And um, from Porto to Santiago is about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks. So a lot more people are starting to do that one because they can do a whole Camino or what they consider a whole Camino in less in the time that they have vacation. So that's the second most popular route. And, how do you actually and that only takes about three days. So, um, yeah. sorry, what I was asking is like, how do you prove that you've actually started uh, from um, you know to to do that minimum number of days to get the actual religious stamp? Is there yeah, stamps along the way, or do you need to register yeah. at the beginning, or what are some of the ways to prove uh, that? Yeah. This so when you start, um, you can receive a pilgrim. It's called a pilgrim credential, a credential, or a pilgrim's passport. And it's just a, um, you can get it here in Spain, um, or uh, if you're an American, you can get it through the American Pilgrims on the Camino. That's the national Camino organization in the U.S. There's also an organization in Canada, Australia, and I think they're all, um, they all have their own um, credentials that they can issue out. Japan has one that's beautiful, actually. So the Japanese one is beautiful, so if you can get a Japanese one, do that. Um, but you, so you get these credentials and then that's what you get stamped each day. So you'll get a stamp at your albergue, which is a pilgrim hostel, um, or you can get them at, at the cafes along the way. It's important to note that the last 100 kilometers, since that's the most important part if you want to receive the Compostela, you have to, when you get to Galicia, um, get two stamps a day at least to prove that you're not taxing in between the hostels that you're not cheating in some way, um, you know, duping the system and stuff. Um, so some people don't, most people know that, but some people don't, and then they get here and they try to go to the pilgrim's office to get their Compostela and they're denied because they don't have the right stamps or the right amount of stamps because, and they can't prove that they didn't take a bus. <laughs> so. So uh, in terms of the types of accommodation, you mentioned that uh, you can go from the very rustic to the luxurious and everything in between. Uh, what are the types of accommodation? Is it mostly shared or is it private? Uh, walk us through that. Yeah, so traditional, it's um, just giant bunk rooms, like big dorm rooms with um, bunk beds. Uh, some have, you know, depending on what albergue or hostel it is, um, you might have a room full of like 50 beds. You might have a room full of six or four. Um, there are different types of pilgrim hostels. You can have the donativos, which are donation-based and are usually run by the church. And um, the people that work there are volunteers. Um, they're called hospitaleros, and they're the ones that run the albergues. Um, and usually those are, you know, sometimes they offer a meal, sometimes they don't. Um, it just depends. You have the government-run ones, which are pretty basic. They're usually the cheapest. Um, in Galicia, it's mostly government-run uh, run albergues and they usually have a kitchen, but it's not it has nothing to cook. You can't cook So you, ha you have to go to the restaurants. It's so that they can't play favorites um, or take away business um, But they're usually the cheapest ones. So they have the most basic accommodations and again, usually it's shared dorm rooms like bunk bed style uh, sleeping they're also private albergues, and they can range from like private rooms to bunk rooms as well. And usually they're a little more expensive and a little nicer. You can usually reserve them ahead of time. 
Um, whereas uh, the donation ones and the government ones, it's first come first serve. You, there's no reserving beds ahead of time. It's um, who comes that day. Um, and even still now, sometimes like injured pilgrims or sick pilgrims will be given priority over um, people who didn't walk as far or different things, depending on that albergue that sometimes they're free to make up their own systems of how they uh, let people in. And then you also have pensions, hotels, uh, depending on what route you're on, um, that you can also go if you don't want to travel or sleep with other people or you, you know, you're, you think that's a young man's game, even though we've met people who are 80 doing it. So, you know, it, everyone, it's young is relative. Um, you can reserve pensions or hotels or different things. So depending on your budget and the way you like to travel, there's it. And some people camp. Uh, I don't know the rules exactly for that, but we've met people that are just constant pilgrims. They're, they're just, you know, they're just wandering Europe and they're walking and they're camping and, you know, doing it very, very minimally, so. So what would you say uh, it, uh, you need to prepare? Like, I mean, obviously you can do hiking, and, you know, you can uh, exercise. Uh, what kind of fitness yeah. level do you need to be at and what kind of preparation uh, should you do before you embark on a uh, pilgrimage? Yeah, it's, it's all relative, I think. I did some walks, like practice walks, but I obviously did not do enough because I got really bad blisters from day one and my feet were shot. So I obviously did not <laughs> prepare properly. And I also don't think I had the right shoes. I tried to find the right shoes, but you know, I was a newbie and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I would say having the right shoes, making sure they're comfortable, making sure you know if your feet, you know, if you need two so pairs of socks, like how you blister. Um, practicing with a pack, which is not something I did, but I know a lot of people will recommend that ahead of time, like packing up your pack and walking on those walks that you're training walks with that so that you know if you're not used to backpacking, you know how your pack sits, how it sits on your shoulders, um, you know, to try and help you from not getting injuries. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make on the Camino is they view it as a race or a competition and they go too fast or they have certain goals that they want to accomplish but they don't listen to their bodies. So when their knees tell them to stop, they just keep going. And then, you know, you get knee injuries or um, foot injuries because you push too hard. Um, but definitely long hikes, practice hikes are always a good thing, um, especially if you're not a hiker or a seasoned backpacker. If you're like, oh, I went through hiking in the woods a few times. I'm good. Like, that's what I thought. And then I was not good. But um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I think a little bit of research and then just listening to your, to your body while you're on the Camino is always probably the best thing you can do. And people have tons of advice. Like there's a lot of forums. There's a lot of online groups. The Camino is very big right now. So you can Google questions and people will write to you on Facebook or there's a Camino forum. It's the biggest uh, online English forum for it. And almost every question has been answered by millions of people on there. So. Um, you can ask questions. So do like just research a little bit ahead of time, get to know your gear. Um, yeah, that's the best you can do because it's, it's all individual. It's how your body works. Yeah. There's almost too much info. Like if you uh, Google it or if you look up on, <laughs> yeah. or if you look up different forums, it's almost like overwhelmed of info. And then you just, yeah, you definitely get overwhelmed with the information that's out there, especially now because it, it's the Camino has definitely seen quite a rise in popularity and especially digitally, like there's been movies and documentaries and books and guidebooks. There's tons of English guidebooks now, whereas when I walked, there wasn't many. Um, 
you know, there's so much stuff that you, I mean, you can research forever. So sometimes you just got to find what works for you. Ask a few questions if you know you have like knee problems or blisters or, you know, things like that. And then, you know, just it, do what feels comfortable for you. Don't, don't always just get so overwhelmed. You can get overwhelmed with the amount of information. Like people want you to be minimalist. So people, you know, we've heard of people cutting, you know, the handles of their toothbrush off to save weight, you know, like just really trying to get their weight down um, in their pack. But, you know, a lot of people do overpack. I will say it's not like you're hiking the Appalachian Trail. You don't have to bring a tent or cooking gear and stuff. So that automatically makes it easier. But, you know, you need, you know, a, a change or two of clothes maybe some pajamas, you know, you don't need a whole lot. Um, people bring, we've had people bring basically pharmacies and they donate them to us afterwards because they didn't need them and, or they have to ship stuff ahead um, when they get, like when they're in Spain because they're just carrying too much stuff. So I would say don't, don't overpack. I'm a, I'm very guilty of overpacking because I always think just in case, but the, you don't, you don't need a lot. You get up, you walk, you eat and you sleep. And that's, <laughs> that is your rhythm. And it's a good rhythm. It's a very it brings you back to the basics of life and it helps you just get away from the stresses of reality. So you don't need a whole lot for that. <laughs> yeah, I think that generally that's a great travel maxim, uh, pack light, uh, whether you're just backpacking, whether you're traveling, whether you're a digital nomad, whether you're a pilgrim, whether you're a hiker, travel light yeah. is the way to go. Uh, so what are the essentials? You mentioned uh, obviously change of clothes. Um, um, you, like you could probably buy stuff along the way too, right? Like if you um, need something. Yeah. Um, what would you say are the essentials you need in your backpack? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, some sort of soap would be good. Um, <laughs> like if you get the one that also washes your hair and your body, you know, then you cut down on what you need. Toothbrush, toothpaste. Um, I would, I would definitely say like for me, if I was going out again, I would definitely take more blister care stuff because I know my feet blister easily. So to have that on hand, you can buy it in the towns and at the far, the pharmacies here are really good. Um, a lot of stuff you can, that are, some stuff is even prescription stuff in the U.S. is not even prescription here. So like you can get stuff um, in the bigger towns and stuff. You, you might maybe not have it available that day if you're in a small, more secluded place of the trail. Um, but yeah, for me, I would definitely, like, I always carry either my phone or my camera. I didn't have a phone then. I had a camera um, just for pictures because I like to take pictures. So for me, that would be an essential. But not everyone, it is. Um, I know a lot of people, when they walk the Camino, try and break away from technology. There's a lot more Wi-Fi available now on the Camino. And um, there's varying views on that. Like, some people think, oh, it's better to walk without it. But it's your personal choice. If you want to go and break away from technology, it's a great time to do it. If you don't, you know, it's your Camino. So, um, you know, I, I brought a journal with me because um, you are, you're walking a lot. There's a lot of time to think and stuff. Um, also, I collected, I mean, it's amazing how fast friends you'll make. And like, there's a girl I met, I still stay in touch with her now. And it's, I don't know, a good six years, seven years later. And I visit her twice and I've, I've gone twice to visit her in Germany. Um, so we're still friends. We're pen pals and stuff. Um, so I would definitely say some, you know, something to write stuff down with so you can remember some of the people and everything that you met. Um, I'm probably not the best person to think of because it's been so long since I've done mine um, where I've actually had to pack up. And I'm trying to think of what people said they wish they had. Rain gear, like a poncho. Um, a lot of people have a poncho because you'll walk through different weather. It depends what time of year you're going. 
Um, especially in the fall, if you're getting towards Galicia, in the spring and some of the other parts, you'll definitely need either a poncho or a rain jacket. Um, I say walking sticks, though a lot of times you'll have to buy them here or, or uh, check your bag um, to get those through. But for me, they were a lifesaver for my knees. Um, I brought a spork. I don't know if I used it, but I still have it to this day, and I used it the other day at the beach. So, you know, a spork <laughs> is always is never a bad thing. Um, some people carry pocket knives. Again, if you're flying over here from another country, you might, if that's something you want, you can always buy a cheap one here. Um, a little, some first aid stuff. It, it's never bad to have like some bandages, like I said, blister care, some ibuprofen or buy it when you get here to just have. It's also a good thing to have stuff like that to share. So you, it's an easy way to make Camino friends if uh, they're in pain and you can ease their pain. Uh, you know, it's never a bad way to, share share with them what you have um water bottle i mean a water bottle or a water bladder is key because you got to stay hydrated so definitely something to stay hydrated with uh clothes pins or safety pins to pin stuff to your pack so it can dry if it's still not dry from the night before because usually you're hand washing stuff um let's see what else I brought a towel, like a travel towel, but I brought one big enough so that like if it was a co-ed bathroom or there wasn't a shower curtain, I could use it in place of a shower curtain or a towel or something like that. So a travel towel is always good. And a sleep sack or a sleeping bag, depending on what time of year, because they don't, not everywhere has sheets. That's also, you know, plus then you don't have, if, if they do have sheets, you can still have an extra layer of protection in case there's bed bugs. So. <laughs> awesome. What's uh, yeah? What an amazing list of items. Uh, thank you for sharing. So you're based in uh, Cam uh, Camino de Compostela. Santiago uh, de Compostela. Yeah. There you go. At the end of the <laughs> yeah. at the end of the pilgrimage trail. Tell us more about uh, your the pilgrim house and uh, uh, when did it start and what is the role of the house? Yeah. So we have been open for a little over three years. Um, we have we opened July of 2014. Um, we are a day center for pilgrims. So what we, um, want to offer is a space where people can come and still be a part of the Camino community outside the chaos of the city. Um, we have like a quiet space where people who want to journal or to meditate or to think through, um, some stuff can be, or to relax. We have a hangout space. We have a small kitchenette if people want to cook, um, and share a meal with their friends before they leave. Um, we have a small patio again, just to kind of help people just be in a quiet space. Um, if they're thinking through a processing before they go home. Um, we also offer services such as laundry, printing, um, bag check, uh, cause you can't take your bag into the cathedral anymore. Or people just might not want to carry it throughout town if, it, if they're leaving that day. Um, and everything is donation based. So we are a nonprofit and we run on donations. So, um, everything is either a suggested donation or free. Um, we offer Wi-Fi as well um, and information on the city and different things. But our main focus, we really want to help people um, who are still processing through their, their Camino, either the things that they experienced or the things that they were wrestling with while they walked, or some people have different reasons why they walked. Um, and not everyone has found those answers or have come to terms with that before they go home. And just to create a safe space for them to do that and continue that before they have to leave. Sounds amazing, Gail. So uh, curious to know about your vision forward. You're from the U.S., uh, living in Spain. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next few uh, months? Oh, here? <laughs> I am not sure, and I am working on answering that. Um, 
I am, I've been here five years. Um, I really like it. Uh, I'm trying to think if, you know, think through like if, if it's ready to move, if it's time to move on or if I want to stay here. Um, things, you know, there's been some changes on our team and changes, you know, we're constantly improving and work and reworking what we're doing in the center and how we all fit into that. Um, I have a few projects I would like to do, like photography and video projects I would like to do with the Pilgrim community. So even if I am not here, I would like to still move forward with those projects in some capacity. So I am working on figuring that out, so I'm not really sure, actually. <laughs> that is a good question, and when I have an answer, I will uh, let you know. <laughs> that is a hard question for not just yourself, but for all of us who are nomads and travelers and expats, a hard question indeed. Uh, so tell us more about how people can connect with the Pilgrim House, what's the website and social media handles? Yeah, so we have a Facebook, which is Terra Nova Pilgrim House, and like Facebook slash Terra Nova Pilgrim House. Uh, we have an Instagram, which uh, I'm blanking on. I think it's Pilgrim House SDC. And we have a website, which is PilgrimHouseSantiago.com. Um, which has, which should have our information for our Instagram and our Facebook and our email and everything like that as well. And uh, Gail, how about your personal uh, uh, profile uh, on social media? If people want to do ask you questions or reach out to you. Yeah, so I have, I have a Facebook. It's Gail Sherry. Um, I think there's only one other Gail Sherry without a picture on Facebook. Um, so I'm the one with the picture, <laughs> unless that's changed recently. But uh, there's not many of us. It's spelled G-A-L-E, so there's not many of us uh, on Facebook, apparently. Um, I also have an Instagram, which is what I post most of my pictures and stuff on, and it's at cgalgo. And my dog, who I'm going to show you because I love him so much, he's there. I adopted him in the States, and he has traveled over here with me. Uh, he's been here eight months, um, or no, three months. I've had him for eight months. Um, his he also has an Instagram and it's at, it's at cjimgo. So <laughs> if you like to follow a dog and not me, I won't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, thank you so much. You've been a wealth of insight and uh, you know um, tips and uh, wisdom all about the Camino. I think a lot of our listeners and viewers are going to be inspired. I definitely want to go there right now. We're actually in beautiful Ecuador, so focused on. This part of the world, and I'll show, since you showed a little bit of your view, I'll show you. Nice. Yeah, if it wasn't night, I would show you the cathedral because I can see it from my window. Well, part of it from my window, but it's it's nighttime here. So <laughs> there you go. So thank you, Gail. Thanks so much for your time today, and now all of your insights. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the interview. If you're listening on iTunes and watching, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and, and also on iTunes. It helps us up, helps us get up the podcast ranking. We also have active and involved uh, Facebook community called the Digital Nomad Mastery Community. We can connect with other digital nomads, other world travelers, other expats, other internet marketers, and other pilgrims. And if you have any questions, definitely reach out to Gail uh, about the Camino or uh, you know check out the Pilgrim's House and also um, her uh, personal uh, social media handles. I'll have those links below. If you're watching or listening to this, they'll be on the show notes and also on the YouTube uh, description. So thanks, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we not only teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also mm -hmm. how to uh, do things like the Camino in Spain. Thanks, everyone. Happy travels and happy pilgriming. <laughs>